0: Strawhut Media. 2020 has been a doozy of a year, and this holiday season isn't exactly traditional. So if you're like us, you probably have a lot of free time on your hands this week and through the new year. What are you going to do with all that time off? Here's an idea. Revisit queer tidings of holidays past and watch, or rewatch, one of the best LGBTQ holiday movies ever made, Carol. Carol is a film about an aspiring photographer who develops an intimate relationship with an older woman in the 1950s in New York. It premiered in the UK on October 14, 2015. In the year that followed, Carol, which stars Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, Was nominated for more than three dozen awards including six academy awards five golden globes nine bafta awards six independent spirit awards and nine critics choice movie awards carol earned the title of best lgbtq film of all time by the british film institute today we're joined by carol superfan allison tate she refers to herself and her peers affectionately as carol addicts what made carol such a pivotal and life-changing film for so many people Is a carol addiction the kind of addiction you have to quit? Is there some kind of support group out there for this? I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. Ready?
1: Ready as I'll ever be.
0: Introduce yourself.
1: Hi, my name is Allison. I am a filmmaker and the writer-director of Carol Support Group.
0: What is Carol everything
1: as I like to say there was a time there was BC which was a time before Carol my life hadn't really quite started then Carol came along and changed everything
0: Carol a film directed by Todd Haynes
1: I met Todd Haynes it was incredible he's as I like to say a lesbian Jesus
0: starring Kate Blanchett.
1: Kate, my queen, forever.
0: And Rooney Mara.
1: I love Rooney in this film so much because I related to her so hard.
0: Carol, the film is based on a 1952 romance novel, The Price of Salt, by Patricia Highsmith.
1: It was published under a pseudonym, Claire Morgan, because she had a thriller career going on.
0: Patricia Highsmith had published her first novel, Strangers on a Train, two years earlier, which Alfred Hitchcock adapted into a film the following year and launched her career as a suspense writer. The Price of Salt was her second novel, and it was very popular among queer women in the 1950s. She received fan mail addressed to Claire Morgan. Then in 1990, Bloomsbury reprinted her novel under her real name and renamed it Carol. In the afterword of the 1990 edition, she wrote that she published it under a pseudonym because she didn't want to be labeled a lesbian book writer. The story is about a woman named Carol.
1: A suburban housewife in the 50s who falls in love with Therese Belovet, played by Rooney Mara, who is a shopkeeper at a department store. And they meet during Christmas time and fall in love.
0: And what time is it right now?
1: It's... Carol time. It's Christmas time. It's carol season, Christmas season. They're one and the same for me now.
0: Most of the plot of Carol takes place during the holidays. December 21st is... The day that
1: Therese goes over to Carol's house for the first time.
0: And like, that's a day to celebrate. They're together through Christmas. So,
1: really every moment of the season is something to celebrate.
0: And New Year's is an especially important day in the world of Carol.
1: For those of you that have seen the film, um, spoiler alert for those who haven't, but on New Year's is the day that they make love. So it really climaxes, if you will, on New Year's. I should leave. I don't think you should. (laughs) I think you should stay.
0: (laughs) Allison knew that Carol would be a big part of her life before she had even seen it. By the time the film was playing at AFI Fest in November 2015, she was already engrossed.
1: And we were going to go in character, like, dressed up. Like, I had my best red dress on, like, I did my hair, we did our makeup, we had the scarves. We were like, oh my god, everyone's going to be dressed up for this movie. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. We get there, like, no one else was dressed up. (laughs) But we were, like, so proud of our looks. And the line was around the block, And we got a little nervous, but we were like, it's okay, we'll get in, we'll get in. We go back, I'm like 400th in line, like we're so far back. We get up to the corner of the street and the volunteer is like, we're at capacity. Stops me and says, we're at capacity. I almost cried, (laughs) but I didn't. I thought, what would Carol do? She would charm her way through this potential roadblock. So I chatted with the volunteer woman, and she saw how cute we are and how excited, and she turned the other cheek so we could go over to the theater. But that wasn't... We weren't in yet. There was security outside the theater turning people away. It's full, it's full, it's full. So the crowd there started thinning, but we stayed and kept moving up until it was like just us. And... Some more volunteers took pity on us and so did the security guard and they squeezed us in. We were in the very front row on the far, far right side corner seat. (laughs) But we got in. I will never forget how it it made me feel. I'll never forget how I felt seeing that final shot because that look she gives felt like a look of unconditional love and just piercing belief in me. And it felt like I could achieve anything I wanted. Which is insane sounding. But it hit me like that. And I was just resonating with that through the entire credit sequence. I just had never felt quite an impact like that from a film before.
0: Allison says part of the reason she and other Carol superfans feel such an intense emotional connection to the film is that both main characters are so relatable.
1: On the one hand, I related to Therese and and saw her experience falling in love as a similar to my first experience falling in love. And on the other hand, I relate to Carol because I want to be as powerful and badass and flawless and strong and... Well, not flawless. I mean, she's human, but, you know, flawless like a goddess. And at the same time, like, I want a partner like Carol, like Carol seeking Carol type of situation (laughs) is what I would describe
0: myself. (laughs) Another contributor to the film's cult status, Allison says, is the A-list cast. The portrayal of Carol by two-time Academy Award winner Kate Blanchett.
1: It felt like... It was doing so much justice and giving so much dignity to queer experiences. Um, And of course, she's phenomenal and incredible and we all want to be her or be with her. Like the attraction is undeniable and that attraction can have all different forms, but she's so compelling as a person and actor and as the character. So that was like, instant, like I'm instantly smitten with this character and need to know everything that happens to her.
0: The film cinematography, costume design, and production design were nominated for numerous awards.
1: The way that it was shot was like anything I had ever seen before, and yet I felt fluent in that language as soon as I saw it. So it was, that's really the best way I can describe it, I think, because really the bottom line for this is like, how can you explain why you fall in love? What words can you put on that? I feel like I can describe things around it, but I think the core of that is magic. And that's what I feel when I think about this film, and that's what I feel when I think about people I've fallen in love with. It's like, you can't really quite put your finger on it, but you can get close.
0: In popular culture, love stories about queer women often lack nuance and are written from male perspectives. But Carol is different.
1: The subtle looks and the long gazes and the eye contacts and like the brush of the shoulder behind the piano and everything that's unspoken yet still communicated rings so true, I think, to the queer female experience experiences because there's not just one. Um, but I think that hits I think that's like the veins of the film and and that runs through it and people can see their longing represented they can see their unspoken ways of communication represented you know and I think those are the ways that the heart communicates a lot of the time especially when you can't be open and blunt and Super direct and you don't have rom-com examples to kind of emulate or, or go from or see how this could happen. I mean, for the characters in the film, it was all uncharted territory of how they were going to connect at all, how they were going to share what they're feeling with each other at all. They didn't have the vernacular for it whatsoever. And, you know, we're in a different Time now, but not necessarily, it's not a universally more liberated time at all. So I think that that repressed communication and just that flung out of space feeling of I'm feeling all these things, I feel overwhelmed, I don't know what to do, how am I going to navigate this and still move towards the person that I desire? I think that territory that unknown is relatable for anyone falling in love
0: does the carol fandom have a name
1: <sighs> well i like to call them carol addicts because that's the handles the social media handles for my film
0: <laughs> so that's what they are the carol addicts <laughs>
1: and my- <laughs> I think so. (laughs) I mean, people can tell me how they like to identify, but I like to think of us as Carol Addicts in a loving way. And for the record, disclaimer, I'm not minimizing real addiction here whatsoever. I'm just using the archetype of an AA meeting, support group meeting, to illustrate.
0: When we come back, Addiction to Carol. We did this interview pre-COVID, so I was able to sit with Allison in person to talk about Carol. As we were sitting and talking, her phone rings. She pops open the pearl clasp of her clutch and pulls out her cell phone to silence it. Seeing Allison hold a modern object like an iPhone is strange against the backdrop of her Carol-inspired wardrobe a strand of pearls around her neck, and green earrings. She's wearing a leopard print coat.
1: The Carol coat that was in the movie is currently at my friend's house. Otherwise, I'd be wearing that.
0: (laughs) So, full transparency, (laughs) Allison, after the film came out, because we were still working together at the time, she would come to the office. And there was no, no offense, there was no real reason for it. It wasn't like we were going to watch it, or it was like, oh, it's the anniversary of the day it came out. It'd be like, it's a Wednesday. Oh, why... You look like you're straight out of the 50s. She would. She'd come and do interviews. She was, at that time, she was leading the video department at The Advocate. Yeah. I mean, you knew, like, oh, poor sweetheart. Poor sweetheart. She's so obsessed. Did you take pity on me? No. I mean, because I kind of liked it, but I loved it, the film. I know you did. It totally, it was like, it just changed her. Almost, it really did. That's
1: really interesting to hear, because you did know me before and after. Yeah.
0: I swear, she would just show up and be like, what an interesting coat choice. You know it's <laughs> 85 degrees, I mean like, let's walk to Starbucks, get my coat, wear my gloves, my driving gloves. My gloves are on the table at I the
1: know. moment. <laughs> my addiction started when I heard about the movie coming out. I heard it was based on the book, I bought the book, read it immediately, obsession began.
0: So that was the beginning of the end.
1: That was the beginning of the end. Sayonara to my life.
0: So have you read the book more than once?
1: I read it twice in anticipation of the film. I needed to do something while I was waiting for the film to come out. And I remember when the trailer dropped, I watched it every day. Every day? Every day. Like when I would wake up, I remember like it was part of my morning routine.
0: I assume that morning routine went something like this. Wake up, get out of bed, watch the Carol trailer, drink water, brush teeth, watch the Carol trailer again, make coffee, get dressed, watch the Carol trailer once more, go to work.
1: I don't consciously think about Carol every day. (laughs) But I think my world is so molded and informed by it. That Carol is with me every day in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you should see my room, <laughs> like
0: Nothing this, but just the Carol. stuff that
1: I have. No, it's
0: paintings.
1: No. It's informed in in more subtle ways now. I used to have I mean you probably remember this at the office. I tried to put up a full-sized Carol poster. Oh yeah. And then maybe take it down. That's a true story. By poster,
0: that I, I mean she like tried to drag a billboard into the elevator.
1: It was She's like, full-size. I got this. It was a full-size movie poster. And they were like, no.
0: I mean, it was huge. <laughs>
1: and I was hurt. But I understood. <laughs> because it was blocking the window from the other side of where somebody worked. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. I can't do that. Three and
0: a half feet tall.
1: Three and a half feet tall. And you could totally see it from the other side, just sheer.
0: That was the point.
1: Yeah. So I had to get smaller things.
0: Allison is a filmmaker herself. She graduated from USC's film program, the same one that shaped Judd Apatow, Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, George Lucas, and Robert Zemeckis.
1: That's why it feels like... BC, like Time Before Carol is only like half a joke because I specifically remember, I don't think I've ever really shared this before, but I remember my professor sitting me down towards the end of my time there and asking me flat out what kind of movies I wanted to make. And I didn't have a clear answer for that. This is not the only movie that I enjoy, but now it's crystallized so much of who I am and what I want to do that if someone asks me, now I like to say, Carol is the benevolent godmother of the type of films that I'd like to make. <laughs> There's an icon now that I can point to and use as a reference point and people get it. And and it's in the culture now. It's in our consciousness. And we know what, what can exist and the type of level that a love story and a queer love story can be told on. And, you know, I want to follow in those footsteps and have my work feel in similar ways that I want my work to feel for people in ways that Carol made me feel. I want them to feel seen and feel loved and feel dignified and and cared for in the way that art is created. And I feel like that's what Todd Haynes and the team did so magnificently is I feel like there's so much love poured into every frame and so much care and attention to detail and craft and Really, that, to me, that all comes down to love, you know, and passion for what what you're doing. and And that comes through. It's not just the fiction of it. You know, I also fell in love with the craft. And I learned so much from studying that film in extreme detail, you know, than I have studying a wider range of films, let's say, because the depth that I went into and that one taught me so much
0: but truth be told being a carol addict is not all pearls and red lipstick
1: i I remember a feeling of shame come up when i had seen it so many times and i thought do i love this too much is this weird is this wrong is this a problem am i disturbed do i need to just get over this What's wrong with me? Those kind of things did come up. And I realized that I had to sort of keep my feelings to myself in front of some people or not express them fully or you know, act more coy about it or pretend like I wasn't going to see it again.
0: For the ninth time.
1: For the ninth time. And that was something that I struggle with and honestly still kind of do. Because if I were to just blurt out all of my feelings about this to someone, <laughs> not in a podcast setting, it's unusual. And and the way I overcame that, I think, was through seeing other people share their love on on Tumblr and their fan art and their adoration, and it kind of gave me those stepping stones to keep going and to turn that leaf and say, "No, this is awesome. This does mean so much to me. And why would I suppress that? Why would I go against my own grain? That's not something Carol would do.
0: So Allison has embraced her Carol addiction. She still watches the film regularly.
1: And every time I watch it again, there's something new that I get out of it. I never really thought, is it holding me back? But I did recognize that. It was like this monolith in my field of vision, and it was hard for me to... I just didn't want to focus on other things. I wanted to keep pouring my my thoughts and my explorations into that. And it turned out not to be a hindrance, but something that really moved me forward in the next film in my career and something that I get to talk to people about and became a stepping stone for me.
0: Allison noticed a similarity in the way she felt shame for her love for Carol and another formative experience in her life.
1: You know, in some ways that's a parallel for a lot of coming out experiences of just feeling that shame around desire. I think that's relatable for a lot of people of whatever orientation. Um, and I think that moving through that shame and expressing that desire and allowing yourself to just not only have that desire, like accepting that desire and then choosing to express it and move towards that desire and like reach that is one of the most powerful things that people can do. And I think if we all acknowledged what we want in our hearts and souls and gave ourselves permission and the grace and kindness to move towards that in whatever way we'd be happier because repressing things takes a lot of energy and it's a lot of weight and negativity and it it only creates negative outlash to other people but if you gave yourself an outlet you know sort of a little steam vent if you will and let
0: yourself reach towards
1: that you'll be a lot kinder to people and a lot it's a relief it's a relief at the end of the day
0: Someone who has served as an inspiration to Allison in learning to embrace her desire, Carol.
1: Because I sort of see her as a superhero, as someone who is true to herself and stands up for that and chooses not to live against her own grain, takes care of her mental health first. Even if that means that she can't have her daughter for the moment, she's prioritizing her own health, which is... Such a huge statement and step for especially someone in the 50s to take, let alone a woman and a queer woman, a lesbian in the 50s, to take that stand.
0: So you see, it's not surprising that Allison would want to experience the magic of Carol over and over and over again.
1: I saw it many more times while it was in theaters.
0: Can you put a number on I that? I
1: have all my ticket stubs. I think I have nine ticket stubs from when it was there. And I remember this was the point where I realized my <laughs> love was becoming possibly an addiction or becoming hard to manage um, because I, I remember... I was living with my dad at the time and I like needed to get something done like groceries or something practical, you know, to keep myself alive. And I remember thinking, okay, but I really want to go to the movie again today. But if I do that, then I won't be able to get this done. And then I'm going to have a problem over here. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? Is this impacting my life? Like my ability to function in life? And so that kernel was there.
0: Wait. Did you go see the movie or did you go get the the, the milk and the eggs and the groceries? I think I saw
1: the movie the next day.
0: Okay, so you did make that you weren't like, I'll starve, it's fine.
1: No, I didn't starve, but I remember the tension of that moment and being frustrated that I couldn't just go immediately, that I needed to like manage, I don't know, something called my life. I was like, that's not, that's not what I want to do right now. I have one thing in mind that I want to do. So... I was feeling these things and um, working at Pride Media at the time, at The Advocate. And our old coworker, Yasmin Villarreal, suggested that I do a sketch about people addicted to Carol because I was doing videos for them at the time. And I was like, oh my God, I must. <laughs> like it was an instant yes that I had to do this. But They were suggesting, oh, just like get some people from the office, like go in a room and like do it real quick. And I was like, no, I must do the film justice.
0: When we come back, Allison creates her own support group. After the initial spark for the short film, Allison spent the next few months writing a script.
1: That took really a long time because there was so many references that I wanted to fit in, both from the film and the fandom. And yet I had to have a plot that moved forward (laughs) and that had a conclusion. Like, I still had to have its own story structure. And um, another interview I did, the woman described it as like, trying to like a tesseract she described it as a tesseract because it was like a puzzle that i was trying to fit in and i watched it again recently and i thought that was a pretty good assessment (laughs) because you can watch it on different levels like you could just watch it for the jokes and the comedy and um and the gags and see that arc clearly or you can and or you can watch it and try to catch all the little references that are tucked in there, like a game, which I think is fun.
0: And people have enjoyed doing. And now you have friends, though, that definitely, like Yasmeen, yeah, related to that, even though it was kind of like, haha, that's so funny. It's also kind of like, I wish we had one of those.
1: Right, and shout out to Tracy Gilcrest, who is <laughs> definitely one of the biggest curl addicts that I know and a strong supporter of of me and the film. And my short film. So it was a real need. And that was sort of the joke that wasn't much of a joke (laughs) as I was making it. And it really did drive me when I was writing and writing and just sort of in that solo process of that, that grind a bit. To be like looking at the Tumblr and looking at social media and seeing how many people were addicted and just in love. I'm feeling all these feelings, all this energy, all this adoration. I need to channel it somewhere. And thankfully, I could put that into a short film. And one of my driving motives was to show the other fans and the other addicts that they weren't alone. And, that, and, and really, I wanted to offer something to them and say, I see you in all of your love and addiction. Here's a treat for that. <laughs> A treatment, quote-unquote, if you will, but really just a gift, and uh, a gift with a, a smirk at that. Like, we don't we don't want to get over this.
0: Allison describes Carol's support group as a love letter to Carol and to Carol addicts.
1: It is a comedy, a comedic homage to people addicted to Carol, and it's about a group of people in an AA-type meeting who are trying to get over their addiction, and then mutiny ensues. And you'll have to see how they handle that. So it's about a disruption in the Carol Addict meeting. But Carol has given me life. Oh, She brought us together. And that is the most breathtaking of gifts. Something really gratifying that has come from this obsession and the fandom and making my short film offering is that people around the world saw it and said that they felt seen and said that they laughed and cried when they watched Carol's support group and that they watched it like six times and my favorite comment was someone said I need a support group for how much I'm addicted to Carol's support group and I was like that's it that's all I needed to hear I love it I arrived someone did a vlog talking about about how they felt about it. And it meant a lot to be able to create something that helped people feel seen. And I think that that's what Carol did. And I loved hearing back from the fans, like it was so much fun. And I hope to keep creating things that I can share with them. Ready
0: for our road trip? Yes! Representation in film and popular culture is pivotal for young people discovering their sexuality. For Allison?
1: It all began one college freshman night when I found myself in another girl's dorm room on her bed kissing her neck. And she asked me if I was gay. And I said no, because kissing neck is totally not a gay thing to do, right? I like choked up in that moment and I was just like, no, 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 what are you talking about? No, no, no. And I like left and then it was super awkward for a while, but she was awakened or whatever sexually and knew who she was and was like, well, first she gave me the cold shoulder for like two weeks, but one night we were supposed to go see Mulholland Drive at school And I had seen it before, and I knew I would not be able to sit there through that movie and watch those women when I was feeling this kind of way. So I was in the front row. The movie was about to start. I climb over people and, like, run out of the theater. I was like, I can't handle this. And I went and found her and talked to her. And in that conversation, she helped me accept myself. And I realized that I I could accept myself like the things that were holding me up were like other people's thoughts or opinions that I feared but they weren't actually what I thought about myself and that was a huge moment that's you know the first step I remember seeing this path like a fork in the road and one path was like the light and amazing future in California and acceptance and love and all my friends and The other path was, like, if I keep these thoughts in my head of, like, oh, this is wrong, like, I'm disgusting, I'm a monster. Like, the only end of that path is suicide. And that's the path a lot of queer kids go down because they don't have another option or they feel like they don't have that other path. And I'll always remember that feeling because that's where I was you know I felt like I was at that fork in the road and a lot of people struggle with that and I feel for that i really really do and so I want to share my story and be honest and and also share my love for the people that I love and and the things and the feelings that I love and that extends for Carol and Carol's support group like it comes from a deep place of like we have to express our love or what's the point of living? Like, Or, you know, death, right? I mean, not to be, like, the most dramatic. That's probably not the most eloquent way to say it. But that's life. Like, if we're repressing who we are, that's not living. And a lot of people have to do that. And I understand why they have to do that for safety a lot of the time. But, um, yeah, that was part of my, <laughs> my lowest low comes in that coming out experience story, and this is really the first time I've shared that publicly.
0: Outside of film and television, Allison had another big moment when she realized that people like her were out there and doing amazing things.
1: I went to a camp, which is a camp that Autostraddle puts on, which is a a queer female culture website, autostraddle.com, and that Changed my world because up until that point, I think 2013, I was like a sophomore in college. I think I hadn't really seen a community like that. That was that large. Like it was definitely queer people that I knew at school and, you know, there was little groups at school, but going and seeing just queer women all hanging out at this camp In the woods in California, like, I remember walking through with, like, just stars in my eyes, like, rose-colored glasses, and just, I'm sure my jaw just, like, dropped because it was like, I had never felt this energy before, and I had never been in a space that felt, frankly, so at home before, and not that I didn't feel at home in other places, but this is a specific kind of feeling that queer people understand when they are with their family in that way. Um, You know, and we have different types of family, but that is one that I had. I didn't know that I had that family. And so to like meet all of them and to feel that space, then I realized, okay, wow, this is a much bigger world than I realized. And... I can be here, I am here. This is a part of me too.
0: Thank you to Auto Straddle for the work you do. Patricia Highsmith, thank you for writing the first lesbian novel that doesn't end in despair, in the 50s no less. And of course, thank you Todd Haynes for directing the one and only Carol, whom Allison got to thank in person.
1: And I just got to say, I got to shake his hand and say, you're my hero, Carol changed my life, thank you so much, and I think you're a genius. Can we take a selfie? And the best part was I could see the reaction on his face. He was like, oh, like he really took my words to heart and like wasn't expecting me to call him a hero, even though I feel like everyone there thought that he was. Um, and that really meant a lot to me. Like he wasn't jaded by this adoration. Like I felt like he really felt felt me and was was receiving that. And we got a photo and it's all amazing. And I was on cloud nine afterwards. I was so jazzed, I felt like I was floating. Like I understand now why people say pinch me when they have those moments because I felt like numb in my body. I was like, where am I in time and space? And I had to go out dancing that night. So I met my friend and we went swing dancing to celebrate.
0: Everyone has that special thing, a movie, a book, a play, a song, a painting, a person that changes your life forever. For Allison and many queer women like her, it's Carol. Since many of you are staying at home, missing your traditional holiday get-togethers, maybe Allison and this story will inspire you to revisit Carol.
1: I live for those full circle moments, the serendipities, when things come together that show you your path and that you're on your path. Because as Carol said, everything comes full circle. Wink.
0: (laughs) Where can everyone connect with you?
1: On social media, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Allison Films. A-L-L-I-S-O-N-F-I-L-M-S.
0: You can watch Allison's short film, Carol Support Group, in its entirety at carolsupportgroup.com. Although 2020 feels like a lost year, it isn't. You made it. We made it. Thank you for joining us throughout the year to celebrate amazing LGBTQ plus people and stories. On behalf of everyone at Pride, we wish you a very happy holiday and a very, very queer New Year. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. So when Hela and Thor does the, to that crown, you're just like. We all live for
1: the hair swoop into crown. You
0: destroy that hammer. We just. You're like, yeah, let's kill him. Just Destroy the world. Just be fabulous. Right. (laughs) Just
1: come over here. Stomp on me. It's fine.